Hey everybody, this is Lucas from Coastal Vineyard. Just wanted to say thank you for downloading this podcast or maybe picking up a CD after service. We love you and we are praying for you. We believe that your best days are yet to come. So expect the best. We hope that this message inspires you and moves your faith into action. So sit back and enjoy. Of Luke. Luke chapter 14. If you don't have it, it will be on the screens. Reading from the New King James this morning. Luke chapter 14 and starting with verse 7. Jesus speaking. So he told a parable to those who were invited. He's speaking to a bunch of people that are at a dinner uh, banquet. And when he noted how they had chosen the best seats and the best places, he began to say this. When you were invited by anyone to a wedding feast, do not sit down at the best place, least one more honorable than you be invited by him. And he who invites you and him come in and say to you, give up this place to this man, then it will be with shame that you will be taken to the lowest place. But when you are invited, do this, go and sit down in the lowest place so that when he who has invited you comes in, he may say to you, friend, go up higher. Then you will have glory in the presence of all those who sit at the table with you. For whoever exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. And he also said to him, to it, who invited him, when you give a dinner or a supper, do not ask your friends, your brothers, your relatives, your rich neighbors, least also this, that they invite you back and you be repaid. But when you give a feast, invite the poor the maimed, the lame, the blind, and you will be blessed because they cannot repay you. For you shall be repaid at the resurrection of the just. Now, when one of those who sat at the table with him heard these things, he said to him, Blessed is he who shall eat bread in the kingdom of God. And he said to him, A certain man gave a great supper, and he invited many And he sent his servants at supper time, saying to those who were invited, Come, for all is ready. But they, with one accord, began to make excuses. The first said to him, I have bought a piece of ground, and I must go and see. I must see to it. You'll have to excuse me. And another said, I have bought five yoke of oxen, and I am going to test them. I ask that you also have me excused. Still another said, I have married a wife, and therefore I cannot come. So that servant came and reported these things to the master. And the master of the house, being angry, said to the servant, Go out quickly into the streets and into the lanes of the city and bring in here the poor and the maimed and the lame and the blind. And the servant said, Look, master, it is done as you commanded, and still there is room. And the master said to the servant, Go out into the highways and to the hedges and compel them to come in that my house may be filled. For I say to you that none of those men who were invited shall taste of my supper. Lord, right now we just ask that you come and fill our hearts, fill our minds. Uh, May this portion of scripture come alive to us. Breathe your life 
and to the scripture over the next few minutes. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. So here we have Jesus. And he's been invited by a leader of the Pharisees over to dinner. And so he comes over to this dinner party, and he begins to notice. He begins to notice that all the people, all of the guests at the party, begin to scramble to try to see who can get the best seats. And so they're, they're, they're kind of going through all these motions, and Jesus begins, and he starts to teach them with these parables. First, it's kind of two different lessons, one being the person that is the guest to the party, and then he gives a lessons to the person that has sent out the invitation to the party. And he does this, and he's really kind of teaching these Pharisees uh, a hospitality lesson. He's saying, when you have a dinner party, this is how the guest should act. This is how the host should act. And so he's giving them this lesson. And remember the context in which he's speaking. Remember, he's speaking to the leaders. He's speaking to, if it was, you know, the, the movement back then, these would be the guys that are supposed to know the stuff. These are the guys that are teaching other people how to act. So whenever Jesus starts to tell them about hospitality, it's kind of like this is something Jesus is saying that they should already know. This is kind of like 101. This is stuff that they would be teaching their kids just as like our parents would say, you know, don't put your elbows on the table. Jesus is saying, hey, listen, when you come to the party, why are you trying to get the best seat? Take the lowly seat and take all these things. So he's teaching them things that they really already know, but they're just not acting on. Now, he begins to give them this hospitality lesson. And the first thing going through their mind is um, there's this kind of old tradition that was uh, going around back then at this time. And even in Jewish culture today, um, Abraham and Job would be looked at as the kind of picture for hospitality. So much so that the story is told that whenever people would draw pictures of Job's house or Abraham's house, that they would draw it and they would put a door on every side of the house. And they would put a door on every side of the house to kind of represent, hey, let's make it easy for the poor to find an entrance. And this would just kind of be like the story of the day. And they use that as kind of their thinking as to how hospitality should be. Let's make it easy for those who don't feel welcomed to find a way in. And so Jesus is saying this, and they're kind of instantly in their mind, they're thinking of, hey, we know all this, we've been taught all this, we actually teach all this. But Jesus is reminding them because obviously they're not doing it. Now, um, this church is a vineyard church, and if you're not familiar with exactly what that means, it's, it's not a denomination or anything like that, but it was a movement that kind of started in the 70s. And out in California, um, there, there was all of these hippies that started getting saved and coming to, to know Christ, and all these surfers and just kind of, you know, Volkswagen bus drivers and all, all these kind of just beach bums began to, to, to get saved and know Christ. But what would happen is they would begin to come into these churches, and uh, when they came in, they were, you know, pretty dirty. And so oftentimes, even in some of the churches, they would make them sit, like, on the floor, and they would make a mess. And it wasn't long before a lot of these hippies that were getting saved kind of felt rejected, obviously, by the church. And so the Vineyard Movement kind of comes in at the same time and kind of says, well, all of you guys that, you know, have kind of felt 
this rejection or whatever, please, you know, come in. And that's kind of how the movement got started with really a bunch of hippies out in California and uh, just kind of didn't, looking for something, someplace where they could just be themselves. But kind of what amazes me is like how, as a church, so many people were missed because of just maybe the mess that they made or because of the way they looked. They didn't look like a church member. They didn't look the part, and so they were kind of rejected. Um, and, be, and because they were dirtying up the carpet. I mean, seriously? Like, who cares? It's, you know, it's just carpet. Um, I actually remember one, maybe about a year and a half ago or something. I can't remember. But I was in the church here, and I was cleaning up, and I got to, like, one particular section of chairs, and it was just like, ridiculously filthy i mean just like i don't know how it's even possible like in 70 minutes to get that amount of stuff all over the place like i was just like and i just began to start complaining like jesus like seriously like what's up with this mess why 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 you know just kind of pick it up afterwards and so i'm just kind of like complaining and i complaining to devin too and you know being real spiritual and um (laughs) In the midst of my complaining and whining, I just kind of feel like the Lord speak to me, and I just kind of feel him, feel like him saying, you know what, Lucas, it could be worse. And I was like, wait a minute, what do you mean it could be worse? Look at this tornado, like Hurricane Fran just came through this section of chairs, and, and God said, you know, it could be worse. It could be clean. In other words, there could be nobody in that chair. Some of these chairs that are empty this morning breaks my heart. It could be clean, and it just, like, convicted me that, okay, God, don't let me get so caught up with the mess that I forget what it's all about. Don't let me forget. And then even here, Jesus speaking to these men at these dinner party, they know all the right things, but somewhere along the track, they've just lost it. They've lost what it's all about. In Proverbs 14, 14 4, it says this, where there are no ox, the barn is clean, but with much increase, which but much increase comes from the strength of an ox. The point is, it's good to get a little dirty. It's good sometimes to make a mess. It's good sometimes to invite the people that you know are going to spill ketchup on the couch. You know that they're going to break a glass, and you know that they're going to drop their fork four or five times. They're going to make a mess. Invite them anyway. This is who Jesus is saying, invite just ask my one-year-old daughter. <laughs> she will come over <laughs> and just make a mess. <laughs> and she'll love it. But God's God saying, this is, this is what church is supposed to look like. This is what hospitality is supposed to look like. Invite those people. And you know what? If they make a mess, let them make a mess. And so Jesus says this. And remember, if you're there, if you're one of the Pharisees, if you're one of the leaders and you're hearing this, at this point in the conversation, you're a little uncomfortable. Because it's kind of like, oh, telling us something, you know, that we preach all the time. but And so this man speaks up and says this in verse 15. And when one of those who sat at the table with him heard these things, they said to him, Blessed is he who shall eat bread in the kingdom of God. And he does this as kind of like, well, let's just kind of change the subject. Blessed is he who eats bread in the kingdom. Because remember, they're sitting at the table and they're eating this bread. Because, of course, obviously he's going to say this because he is at the table. And the, um, I have another slide here from the, 
English Standard Version actually gives a better translation of this. And it says, when one of those who reclined at the table with him heard these things, it said this. Now, the key word there is reclined because in ancient tradition, this is what would be going on. There would be a dinner party given, and the table would be set out, and the guests would be sitting at the table. And, of course, there would be different levels of places for different guests of honor. But those that were the guests of honor, they would not just sit up, and, you know, no elbows on the table, but they would actually recline. They would lean. It would be proper culture for whoever was important to be leaning at the table. So while they were eating, they would be leaning. They would be reclining. And so here is this man who's at the table. He has a position, a spot of authority, and he is reclining. So he has his spot at the table. But then also, there would be those that would not be at the table, but there would be the poor, or there would be those, and they would sit on the floor behind them. There would be the servants of the house, and those guys would get to sit on the floor, and they would eat sitting straight up. They wouldn't get to recline, because to recline at the table mean you had a position of authority. It was a position of power. It was like, hey, we are the ones that are chosen to be here at this. And so whenever he reclines at the table, it was just kind of saying he is a certain class of people, and this is who invited. And so blessed are those who get to eat, and I am one of them. And I can just kind of see him, you know, kind of raising the glass, almost like cheers. All right, let's change the subject. And so at this, this point, Jesus, I could see sitting there saying, I've just given you these two lessons, one to how to be a guest, one to how to invite the guest, but you guys seriously still don't get it. And so he goes in again with another parable. And this, now this parable is not just a lesson in hospitality, but this is a parable on the kingdom of God. This is a parable on how when Jesus throws a party, this is what it's going to look like. And so He sends his servants at supper time, and he's prepared a place, and he's giving this invitation to all who to come. He's he's handed it out, but what happens? The Bible says that he begins to get back excuses. Well, this is why I can't come, because I bought this piece of land, so I have to go check it out. Which, terrible excuse, because, like, the land's not going anywhere. Like, no one has a bulldozer back then that's going to go dig up your land. It's still going to be there the next day. And then the next guy gives the excuse of, no, I can't do it because I've just bought some oxen and I got to go, you know, which would be the equivalent of, hey, just bought a new car, have to take it for a test drive. Like, seriously, again, bad excuse. And then the third guy gets, well, he doesn't even, the first two ask for to be excused. The third guy says, listen, I've just gotten married, so obvious. Talk to her. She ain't going to let me go. Which his excuse kind of seems relative. I mean, it kind of seems like, okay, you know, you know, talk to the woman. He's like, you know, I already, he's already figured it out. He's just gotten married and he's already, you know, just here. I can't talk to her. And so even his excuse seems on the surface a little bit valid. It seems like, oh, okay. Um, but could you imagine like canceling on Jesus? Could you imagine like Jesus inviting you and he'd be like, sorry, God, got to test drive the new car. You know, got to check out the new piece of property. Just got, you know, but like that's what's happening in this parable. Jesus saying his, he's given an invitation and there are those that are going to ask and have excuses. Some of them reasonable, some of them unreasonable. Amazing. Um, 
one of my favorite translations of the Bible is the message. The author of it, Eugene Peterson, um, I've actually kind of become pen pals with him. We've, we've written back and forth, and it's pretty cool. Um, so we've had conversations, and there's um, a story that he tells that while he was writing uh, his translation of the message, um, he had certain deadlines that he had to meet for different books and stuff. So that's why the, the Message Bible actually came out in sections, you know, uh, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, I think, then the Old Testament, and then the entire Bible. Um, but he's writing it, and he gets a phone call. And he gets a phone call from uh, the band U2. And if you don't know who U2 is, only like one of the coolest bands ever. And uh, Bono wants to meet with Eugene Peterson. And he's just like, hey, you know, I've been reading your translation up to this point. Would love to meet you and love to talk with you. And if I was on the other end of that phone, I would just be like, oh, my gosh, amazing, autograph time. You know, but I'd play it cool like, oh, yeah, you know, let me check my schedule. Um, But you know what Eugene Peterson did? He said, I'm sorry, I can't make it. Can't do it. And, well, well, why? He's like, you know, why not go meet with with this, you know, amazing guy? And he's like, well, I have this work to do, and I'm working on Ephesians right now, and it has to get done. And they said, well, but it's Bono. But it's Ephesians. Like, do you see? Like, he was like, this, what I'm doing now, is more important. And it's really easy to kind of lose track of what is the more, most important. Because the reality is sometimes we cancel on God all the time. The reality is there's all types of moments in my life where I cancel on God, where he's given me the invitation and I want to run off to go see Bono. And... God says something else. Um, And all these excuses begin to pour in. Jesus, the invitation has gone out. And all of these excuses, some of them bad, some of them good. And here is the thing that no one likes to tell you. And it's the truth of the gospel. Jesus doesn't care. I know you've never heard that in, in church before. He doesn't care at all about your excuses. All those excuses, reasonable or unreasonable, land, cattle, just married, whatever. He's saying this is the invitation, and I'm inviting you to come, to be a part. And there is no excuse. There's nothing that will get you out of this invitation. Because he goes on to say this at the end. He says, uh, if anyone comes after me and does not hate his father, his mother, wife, and children, brother, and sister, and yes, even his own life cannot be my disciple. Dude, he's hardcore. Jesus is hardcore. Like, listen, excuses are great, but no. The invitation has been set out. This is the date. This is the party. Will you come? Because here's the thing. The Bible tells us not only of our history, but the Bible also tells us of our future. And the Bible tells us this. It is finished. Jesus has already won. There is a date, there is an hour, there is a time where he is going to come back. And the culmination of all things. And here's the thing, he's not changing the date. There will be no excuses. The invitation has been sent out. And that is the harsh reality of it. There's no excuse that's good enough. Now, 
in a few weeks, it's my daughter's birthday. It's going to be her first birthday. And um, Devin wants to throw her a first birthday party, which I'm like, well, what do you do at a one-year-old's birthday party, you know? I'm like, if we really wanted to do it right and, like, do up a really good one-year-old party, we should tell people, like, don't bring any gifts, you know? Bring, like, crumbled up paper and empty cups and boxes and, like, spoons, because that's what she wants. Like, the party's, you know, it's really for mom, you know? So, like, if it was for her, that's what y'all would do. So if you're coming, like, please do that, because that's what she wants. She wants crumbled up paper. And, but she's throwing this party, and she's beginning to talk to people, and she's just, like, telling me, well, Lucas, if we do it this day, then these people can't come. But then if I do it this day, these people can't come. And I'm like, honey, you've got to just pick a day. And whoever can be there will be there. Pick a day. But, and then she responded to me with this, well, I just want the most people that can be there to be there. And I said, I understand that, honey. But it all starts with just picking a day. It all starts with setting it in stone. This is the day, this is the time, and this is the hour. If you can make it, please come. But I want my house to be filled. Just like Jesus saying, I want my house to be filled. But here's the thing. As fellow co-workers in the gospel message, what we have done is we've taken this message of Jesus Christ and we've tried to twist it into fitting everyone else's schedule. We've tried to say, you know what? It's okay that you sin. It's, o- it's okay that you don't pray. It's, o- it's okay that you don't read your Bible. It's okay that you're addicted to pornography. It, it, it's okay that you lie and you cheat and you steal. Just, just come to church on Sundays. Or just kind of do this and live a good life. Or whatever, and, and we'll kind of work on it. And that's not the gospel message at all. And see, what we've done, we've tried to attract people into the house. I'm trying to say, it's okay that you, you just, just do all these things, and it's okay, and, and nothing ever changes because we want to try to fill the house. But Jesus is saying, that's not how it gets done. You want to know how it gets done? Jesus gives us a model. It's easy. He says, you go and you invite more people. First, he says, well, those people gave excuses. He didn't run out and try to, well, well, this is why you need to come and, and try to pacify their excuses. He says, well, now go into the city streets. Go into the lanes and invite them to come. Amen. Invite the poor, the broken. Invite the ones that you don't even think deserve to be at the party. Invite them because my house is going to be filled. And so, the servant says, well, listen, we, we've done that. We've gone and we've invited them, but there's still room. And then Jesus says this. Well, again, we're not going to change the message. We're not changing the time. We're not changing the dinner party. The invitation's already been sent out. He says, well, go even further. Now go into the country and invite them to come. You see the progression. First, it starts out with the invitation that was given to the few. Then it starts out with the invitation that was given to the city, the close proximity, the streets and the highways and the byways. And then he says, now go into the country. So Jesus doesn't change the message. He just makes the invitation bigger. How often are we trying to change the message instead of just making the invitation bigger? 
How often are we living as a church with four doors that's hospital and making it easy for people to enter? How often are we being hospital, hospitable? There's a progression to this. And it's, it's, it's really um, kind of a sobering thing to know that that's the character of God. That listen, it is, it is finished. There will become a moment where you will breathe your last breath. Where you will walk your last step. When everything comes to a close. And we always like to think that we got more time. We always like to think that we have a valid excuse. It's really not the case. Jesus is saying, just go further. Invite those that you don't even think deserve to be at the table. Because here's the reality. At some point in your life, God is going to tell you to do something. And you're going to step out, and you're going to start doing it. And you're going to get rejected. And you're going to be rejected by the very ones that you want to be there. And instead of just trying to go after those few, Jesus is saying, we'll make it wider. Go to those people that you don't, even the ones that can't pay you back. Go to the city streets. Go, whatever it is, whatever business you're in, whatever ministry you're doing, whatever it is, you will face rejection. Go wider. Invite more people. Tell other ones. Tell the ones that even can't repay you back. Because his house is going to be filled. The Bible says that he's gone to prepare a place for us. He's getting ready. He's setting up a dinner party. And so this morning, um, we're going to partake in communion. So I'm going to have the guys that will get ready to serve it uh, come up there, Tim and Kathy and uh, Tom and Pam. And kind of the way that we do communion here is you'll come up, grab a piece of the bread, dip it into the uh, juice, and then come back to your seat, and then we will all do it together. So if you would, just kind of as we've been talking about this table that God has set out and this feast that he's preparing, as you approach this table, let it be a time that if you would, of you just kind of accepting his invitation of saying, Lord, whatever it is that you have for me, I'm going to come and follow you. So I'm going to invite you now to come and get the elements. Have you hunger in the wilderness for a peace that your heart knew before? Have you wandered finding something less when inside you've been longing for more? If you remember how it used to be when you lived your life more abundantly, come home, come home.
If you're tired and weary, come home. The Father is waiting to welcome you home. And you've been gone so searching since you said goodbye oh, like a child with a lesson to learn but there's mercy in your father's eyes as he waits for the day you return and it won't matter where your heart has been oh, when he holds you close in his arms again come home come home if you're tired and weary come home the father to welcome you home You've been gone so long Come home If we could all stand And Jesus gathered with the disciples and He took the bread And He took the cup And He said, my body broken my bloodshed take and eat Lord God we just thank you for your invitation God we thank you that you have invited us in and Lord you don't care if we dirty up the carpet or make a mess. Lord God, we thank you that you are a gracious host. Lord God, for all of those times that we've given you excuses, help us to give them no more, Lord. Lord, for everyone in here that has felt some sort of rejection, in their life for those that have tried to step out and it just seems like everything they try to do just fails Lord God comfort their hearts show them how to cast a wider net Lord Lord God for this church Lord that you would show us how to cast a wider net how to be better host, to represent you better, God, to show your gospel to a world that needs you desperately. Help us to be just like that servant, Lord, that you sent out, that we would go into the, the city highways and byways and out into the country, whatever it takes 
to tell the people to come in that there's still room at the table. This has been a presentation of Coastal Vineyard Church, a community of faith, hope, and love. For more information on who we are and how you can support future podcasts, visit us on the web at www.coastalvineyard.org. Come on, be.